Hi everyone. Due to Pesach, we haven't had an audio for a few days, so I'd like to share some ideas from recent Prakim, focusing on chapters 9 and 10. In fact, chapters 8 to 11 describe one story, which begins in the sixth year of Yechonia's exile, so around 591 BCE, five years before the temple is destroyed. The prophet tells us that elders of Judah came to sit before him. Then we read in verse 3, that and the form of a hand was put forth and I was taken by a lock of my head and a spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven, brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the gate of the inner court that looks towards the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. And in the chapters that follow, we read what Ezekiel sees during this vision of being transported to the city of Jerusalem where, as a Kohen, perhaps he even once served in the temple. In chapter 8, Ezekiel describes a vision of 70 of the elders of the people burning incense to idols and worshipping the sun. But it's in chapter 9 in which we're told of a terrifying scene. Behold, six men came from the way of the upper gate, which lies towards the north, and each had a mace in his hand. And a man in their midst was dressed in linen with a scribe's case at his waist. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. And then we read, the glory of the God of Israel had ascended from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man wearing linen with a scribe's case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, pass through the city in the midst of Jerusalem. And set a mark on the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that are done in its midst. And to the others, he said in my hearing, go through the city after him and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have pity. Slay utterly the old man, the young man and the maiden, little children and women. Come not near any man upon whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. What a crazy scene. A death squad commanded by God is to meticulously make its way house by house through Jerusalem, murdering all who are not protected by an X on their forehead. And it seems the obvious comparison is that of a night we've just recounted at our Seder tables, the night where the children of Israel are instructed to leave a mark on their homes so that God or an angel can pass through the land of Egypt, killing every firstborn. It's a seminal story in our narrative of freedom, 
the beginning of the process that leads our people to Sinai and then ultimately on to the promised land. Yet in a frightening reversal of the Exodus story, here it's not the Egyptians who are dying, but the vast majority of the citizens of Judah. And it doesn't mark the beginning of a process of entering the land, but more or less the end of the process of being exiled from it due to the people's consistent failure to keep the law revealed to them at Sinai. But this isn't the only narrative reversal we have in these chapters. As Ezekiel cries out in anguish to God at the utter destruction, the utter lack of pity shown by these men with the maces, God responds, And as for me, mine eyes shall also not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will bring their way upon their head. This use of the word tachos, show pity, has already appeared in the book of Ezekiel. As Ilana told us, it appeared in chapter 5. And it also appears twice in chapter 7, in verses 4 and 9. Historically in the Tanakh, although not chronologically, God has used this word or the root of this word before, at the end of the book of Yonah. We still have a way to go in 929 before we reach that wonderful book. But it's worth touching on it briefly now. Right at the end of Sefer Yonah, which is also the Mincha Haftorah on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur, God uses the same phrase, this time in a positive way. Vayomer Adonai, Ata chasta ala kikayon, she lo amalta bo velo gidalto, she bin laila haya uvin laila avad. Vaani lo achus al neneve ha iragdola, she yeshpa harbe mishtemesre ribo adam, and the Lord said, You had pity on the gourd, for which you did not labour nor make grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that can't discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? In the book's conclusion, we see God demonstrating the extent of his ability to pity, even those steeped in sin, even those who are not Jewish, and even those who as enemies of the Jewish people will later send the citizens of Samaria into exile. And this lesson reflects a seminal narrative of each individual's ability to do tshuva, to return to God, so much so that it becomes a showpiece message on the Day of Atonement. Yet in our chapter, in Ezekiel, once again, a frightening reversal. God will show no pity at all. Thus, two paradigmatic stories, one of liberty and freedom and punishment for Israel's enemies, the other of the power of teshuvah and forgiveness even for Israel's enemies, are in this chapter turned completely on their head. But this isn't the only aspect of God we learn about in this story. Chapter 10 continues the story of destruction. 
Ezekiel describes a vision similar to what we read in chapter one, what the rabbis later called the Merkava, the chariot. He talks about the Kruvim, the cherubs, which according to the text had four faces apiece and every one four wings and the likeness of the hands of a man was under the wings. And in chapter 10, God speaks to the man clothed in linen and tells him to go in between the wheel work, even under the cherub, fill both your hands with coals of fire and dash them against the city. Yet as Jerusalem becomes smouldering wreckage, we read in verse 18 of how the Shekhinah, God's presence, leaves the city. And there's a fascinating midrash on this from Echa Rabbah. And the glory of the Lord went forth from off the, from off the threshold of the house. Amar Rabbi Acha, Rav Acha said, Lemelech Shaya Yotse mi Paltin Shelo Bachaas. God was like a king who was leaving his palace in anger. Nevertheless, as he was leaving, he turned back embraced and kissed the walls of the palace and the pillars of the palace and wept said farewell my palace farewell my royal residence farewell my cherished home farewell farewell henceforth so too ravacha continues as the presence was departing from the temple it turned back embraced and kissed the walls of the temple and the columns and wept it said farewell my sanctuary Farewell, my royal residence. Farewell, my cherished home. Farewell, farewell, henceforth. It's God who's brought the destruction. But it's also God who is distraught by the destruction. And it's an aspect of God we'll come across several times during the book of Ezekiel. A deity who's so full of anger and despair for the children of Israel, yet one whose anger is also suffused with distress at what happens to them. The Jewish people may be going into exile, but so is God. And throughout the centuries, this theological approach that the divine shares in the suffering of his people provided much comfort to those faced with their own reality of destruction and exile. Wishing everyone a Shavuot of.